You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. We start a new series today, and I am nervous and excited, and like the first gathering is so much fun, and let me tell you why I'm excited. I'm excited because we start a series today on prayer and fasting, um, and I think that a house, a body that prays together, I think we can see some amazing things. I think that uh, God will unlock some things we have not seen in the past. Uh, I think we have yet as a body to really experience the power of prayer. And so I believe that over the course of the next few weeks, God is going to do something special. I'm believe that, matter of fact, the prayer that I, the prayer I opened with, those aren't my words, just so you know. Uh, that's from the Apostle Paul. Uh, I think it's, we think, you know, to, the only prayer that's good is one I make up on the spot and is spontaneous. That's a very Western idea. As a matter of fact, we're going to learn today that Jesus taught us to pray certain prayers. And so if we can sing other people's songs, we can also pray other people's prayers. But I, I believe that through this series, we are going to experience something special. So you might ask, well, then why are you nervous? I'll tell you why I'm nervous. This is a part of my theology and my uh, learning that I, I'm, just, I'm not there yet with prayer. Like, I'm learning and I'm growing, uh, but I'm not yet where I know God is calling me to be. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of this year, one of the things God spoke to me was, you must learn to pray as passionately as you preach. Like, when you're alone, talk to me as passionately as you talk to them. And so I'm learning, but there are probably, I mean, like Mooney back there, Janine, there will be people more qualified maybe to talk about prayer than me. Uh, but John Wesley said this great thing, and I love it. He said, listen, preach faith until you have it. And so I want to learn with y'all. I want to grow with y'all in this area. Uh, This is an area that I believe God wants to do something special, and we're just going to have to find a way to trust him. And so I I don't know that I have all the answers, but I'm going to share what I know and what I've seen, and uh, I believe that through the course of the next few weeks, God is going to do something remarkable. And that's always like, you know, I was saying, with prayer, one of the things we want to do is we want to compare ourselves to somebody else. Like, man, that, that was such a good prayer. I wish I could pray like that. Uh, I'm really starting to believe that God doesn't want you to be someone else when you pray. That he wants you to be you. As a matter of fact, maybe you've been to a church like this, and I'm not knocking any churches, but I've experienced this. Like the pastor is talking just like, he's like, hey, everybody, how's it going? And then he starts to pray, and he's like, all right, uh, here we go. Uh, now I'm going to pray. Uh, and you're like, well, that's not how you talk. You don't talk like that. Or like you're with somebody, and you're like, hey, man, let's all pray. And all of a sudden, they go into, thou art with us. And you're like, whoa. I thought you didn't talk like that. Like, I don't think prayer is about becoming someone you're not. Uh, but I do think God wants us to have some passion. And God wants us to have some. And like every conversation I have with someone isn't passionate. Y'all know that. Anyone who knows me, a lot of conversations really seem to have no thought whatsoever. It's just me. <laughs> Kind of walking through the day hoping for the best. <laughs> but I, th- I think God wants our hearts to break for what breaks his. I think there's some things going on in the world. And, and, and I think the Bible makes some pretty bold promises on this topic of prayer. Matter of fact, check this out. This is John 14, 12, and it says, this is Jesus talking. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That's a pretty bold promise, right? And it's a, 
here's another one from Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. The place they were meeting was shaken. I think back like I'm like, man, have I ever seen people shaken in church? I've seen people shaking like this. I see y'all when you're doing that. But I, I don't think that's what the Bible's talking about. I mean, I think, I think there's more. I think there's more. I don't think that's the kind of shaking that the Bible is talking about. I think there may be something more. And so, like, I've just been reading and preparing for this. And so I, I, looked, at, I looked at all these promises of prayer. Then I began to look at the, the letters of Paul. And it's like, what did Paul say about it? He's the apostle of the Gentile. What did he say about prayer? And Paul talks about prayer all the time. Like, it, it, some of Paul's letters seem to be specific to a people and a place and a time sort of thing. But there is a consistent theme, and it's he's always praying for the people he's writing to. In almost every letter, Paul is talking about prayer. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 4, 6, he says this. And this is, by the way, why he's in prison. Do not be anxious about anything. I was anxious about everything when I was there, but that's a different story. <laughs> different day. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So this seems, I mean, Paul seemed to believe there was power in prayer. Y'all know who else prayed often in the Bible? Jesus. Jesus seemed to believe there was power in prayer. He would withdraw to quiet places and pray. Uh, the, the, the apostles, like everybody seems to have this life that's characterized by passionate, purposeful prayer. It almost seemed to be woven into the core of who they were. Like it just seemed to be what they did. But I think one of the worries that I have for me, and, and maybe I've experienced it in my life, and maybe you've experienced it in your life, is what seemed to be foundational and critical for them has become optional for us. What, what seemed to be fundamental for them has become something we do if we have a little extra time after we've done everything else. Right? What was foundational for them is just preparational for me. Like I might pray a little bit to prepare for my day or whatever. But there seems to be more. I mean, and it's like, I read these promises, and then I say things like, man, God said it, I believe it, blah, blah, blah. And we carry this book, and we, and we act like we believe everything in it. But if we believe what this book says, then why are we skipping over the parts about prayer? I mean, we were like, oh, I believe Noah's Ark, and I believe Jonah, and I believe, okay, well, do you believe the parts about prayer? Because if you do, why is there not more passion in us? Why is there not more power in us? Why do we only pray when we're about to eat? And that prayer is ridiculous sometimes. God, will you bless this Kentucky Fried Chicken to the nourishment of my body? He's like, no, there's no way I, I, I can't. I cannot make that healthy for you. I cannot nourish your body with your fried chicken. So I just, I believe, I think there's more. I think there's more. I, I think we're supposed to, to have a little more, I don't know. I don't know, there should be more, more for us. For me, I want it. I'm hungry. And maybe you are too. And so why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? What are the reasons, I'm not talking about your meal, I know you pray for, what are the reasons we don't really Go to God in prayer. I think one of the reasons is, or one of the reasons I've used as an excuse to not do it is, I don't really know how to pray. I mean, I see some of these other people and they're so good at it, but I just don't, I don't really know how to do it. But the more I think about that, the more I think, hmm, poppycock. 
Because here's the truth. If I was to give you a box and say, hey, there's a million dollars in this box. Take it home. I say, if you can get in it, you can have the money. Would you go, I don't have any training in unlocking metal boxes. <laughs> I, I would love to try to unlock that box, but I really have no idea how to do it, um, you know, and, and what if I did it and it didn't work? I'd be super embarrassed. You wouldn't do any of those things because if you believed my promise was true about what was in the box, no amount of knowledge or inability would stop you from trying to break into that box. If we believe his promises are true about prayer, then it shouldn't be lack of skill that is preventing us from trying to unlock that box. Either we believe it or we don't. That's what it's got to come down to. So we got to get honest with ourselves a little bit, right? It's like, I just, I don't know. I think one of the other problems for me in prayer is I've tried to do it too many times out of obligation instead of out of desperation. You ever tried to pray out of obligation? All right, God, I'm going to start this year. I'm going to pray for three hours a day starting in January. And then, you know, you're like, the first day, you really should have 15 minutes a day, God. I'm going to check that religious box. I'm going to do my duty, and I'm going to pray 15 minutes. And January 1, man, you are in it, right? January 2nd, you're done. You're like, this is exhausting. I just don't have it in me. I tried. And I, I think, again, I th it's because we're not that desperate. There are moments when I've had super desperate prayer. For you too, I bet, right? You know, I'm praying for healing, or I'm praying for forgiveness, or I'm, you know, praying for mercy. There have been moments of desperate prayer in my life. But here's the truth. Most of you are going to leave this building today, and you're going to go to a house that has running water. You're going to go to a house that has food. Um, you're not really that worried about, you know, the Gestapo breaking into your house and, and, and stealing everything from you. You're going to leave, whether you pray today or not, most of your earthly needs will probably be provided for today. And I think that's why the Bible says it's more difficult for a rich person to get into heaven than it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Because we have so much that there's really no desperation in us. And that's why, that's why when, he, when Jesus stood in front of all the, the poor people who had nothing, he said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Because how many of you know in mourning, your prayers become really passionate? But we just don't have that much desperation. And I think that's okay. Again, I, I don't know that every conversation I have with God has to be this desperate, you know, like, oh, wailing and moaning or whatever. Because then it's almost like prayer becomes performing for God, and I don't think that's what prayer is. I don't think prayer is me putting on a skit for God. God, I'm so sad today. I'm so sad. You know, and then, well, some days I am, whatever. But prayer, prayer is not a performance for God. Prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is something that, that I believe God wants to use to keep my soul connected to the king of the universe. I think there's power in it. I think it matters. Prayer is not a performance. But there should be times when prayer is passionate. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe you have everything you need in the world today. That's great. But the king of the world still has his heart broken for the people who don't. And if we love Jesus like we say we do and we sing about it, shouldn't our hearts occasionally break for what breaks his? Shouldn't we occasionally just be passionate because there's sin in the world? Because there's pain in the world? Because there's death in the world? And so I, I think there's more. I think there's more. And I want, I want to talk today 
about three things that I think prayer can do in your life. And the reason I'm going to talk about these things are because these are things I have personally experienced, okay? Um, I, I think prayer has the potential to clarify your purpose. I think prayer has the potential through prayer. I think God can clarify your purpose. I think prayer has the, the potential to fix your perspective. And I use the word fix because our perspectives are broken. In almost every situation, my perspective begins from a broken human condition, not from a God-centered condition. So I, I, think, that, I think that prayer has the, the potential to fix your perspective. And the third thing is I think prayer has the potential to change people. I think prayer has the, the potential to radically change people. Listen, I also think that prayer has the potential to change circumstances. I, I, I mean, I read in the Bible where circumstances, physical circumstances have changed. I've talked to people who've seen healings. I've taught, I mean, I, there, prayer can change circumstances. But even when circumstances don't change, I still believe your purpose, your perspective, and your heart can be changed. Even when you can't see a physical change in the circumstance. I believe prayer changes perspective, purpose, and people. And guys, you know, I, I go into this series having the same questions you have. Well, if prayer, then why? Because I know good people, people who love Jesus, who have prayed for things that were righteous, it, seemed, I mean, it made sense, and they didn't happen. Good people who prayed for good things, and it didn't happen. And so if you want to know why, I don't know why. I don't know why. When I meet God, one of my first questions for him is going to be, why? I, I, don't, I don't have the answers for that. I, but I do, I do believe this. I, I know that sometimes you don't pray for something and it happens, and you do pray for something and it doesn't happen, and I get all that. But I still believe that God has so ordered the world that he desires to move through the prayers of his people. And for as many times it hasn't happened, I have seen it happen. And so I can't answer every one of your questions or my questions on this. But I still believe that there's power in this. I still believe God is doing something. Let me share a story with you guys. And I've told many of you this story before, but I'll tell it again. Um, I went to visit. This is, this is probably one of the most profound things God has ever spoken to me about prayer. I went to visit my cousin Helen. This was a few years ago. And my cousin Helen was dying in a hospital. She was at the Veterans Hospital, and she was dying. And there was, there was no hope, uh, as far as all medical situations said. And so Helen had come to, come to Grace in her, in her early 40s and had found Jesus in this church and had, and had given her life to Christ. And she wanted to join the church, but she had never joined. And I didn't bother to tell her how weird our joining process is. <laughs> I didn't think it was appropriate. So I just said, okay, we'll come to you, and we'll have a worship, and, and you know, you'll join the church. And so... Uh, I loaded up with some of the worship team. I know Danny and Dusty were there, and uh, Rachel was there, and I'm, I'm not sure who all, but there was a crew of us that went to Helen's hospital room, okay? And so I'm driving to Helen's hospital room. I'm driving by myself. I'm coming from church, meeting everybody there, and I am praying. Like, I am talking to God, okay? Like, we are in it. I'm like, all right, God, here's the word. So I'm praying, God, 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 God. And what I'm praying for is, God, when I get in that, in that hospital room, I want to pray in tongues. That's my prayer. And I know we got a wide variety of people in here with a wide view on tongues. If you don't even know what it is, open 1 Corinthians and read it. You can find out about it. But I was praying that God would give me a prayer language in that room. And so I'm praying this whole God. And I don't know what my motives were. I mean, I like to think my motives were pure. 
I like to think that, you know, I, I wanted to do it because I wanted to some, but maybe I just wanted to look cool. I don't know. I don't know what the motives were. Maybe I just wanted everyone to see how spiritual I was. I really don't know what my true heart motive was, but I was praying that I would pray in tongues. So we get to the room. They're, they're worshiping, doing the music. Music starts to get softer, which is the pastor's cue to begin talking. Y'all, y'all been here long enough. You see that. <laughs> We've got this thing down. Music's fine. You know? And so I step in and I start praying, right? I'm praying for my cousin. And I'm just praying. I'm like, gosh, in it, man. I'm in my, and and I, I am fully immersed in this moment. And I'm praying for my cousin. And I, and I stop and I begin to hear my words. And I'm like, I understand everything I'm saying. <laughs> this is just this is just East End English. <laughs> it's not it's not great English, <laughs> but it's good enough. You know, everyone in the room gets it. But I, I was I was like, God, where's where's the tongues? Like I want I had a purpose for this. And so while I'm praying and I'm asking God for tongues, I'm just, I'm still in this moment and I'm praying and, and I reach up and I grab this bowl off the table and I sit it down and my cousin is sitting in a chair and her feet are in front of me. And as I'm praying for tongues and wondering why I can still understand every word I'm saying, I just begin to wash my cousin's feet. Just begin to wash her feet. Something I had never done before in my life. Never done before. I'm washing my cousin's feet and later on, my friend Danny explained to me what had happened in that moment. I had a plan and a purpose. It was tongues. But God had a purpose and it was different. See, that cousin, that was the cousin I was riding in the car with when I was seven years old and I lost my leg. And the wreck was 100% her fault. And on that day, I washed the feet of the woman who took my leg. I didn't know my purpose when I went in that room. But I found it. My purpose wasn't to speak in tongues. My purpose was to wash the feet of that woman. And it was through prayer that God revealed what my purpose was. It was in prayer that God revealed, my, in my humanity, I had a plan. But in his divinity, my plan was changed. And it wasn't just my purpose that was changed. My perspective was changed that day. As, as Helen and I were, were praying, and I got up, and I'm looking her eye to eye, man. And, and most of the time, I've been with dying people before. It's part of my job. I've been, in, I've been in rooms of people dying, and a lot of times we're praying for healing, we're praying for God to intervene, but in that moment, I looked in Helen's eyes, and I'll never, ever forget, I said something that I'd never said before. I said, Helen, I am jealous of you. You're about to go meet the king. You're about to see in full what I only know in part, and I envy you, and there was a part of me that truly, in, I, I came there feeling sorry for her, but my perspective was changed. And I started feeling bad about me, that she was going to get to see Jesus soon. Now, it's better that I stay, and I believe that, but it was time for her, and she was going to see my king face to face. And through prayer, my perspective was changed. And then I realized that on that day, Helen had, as I was washing her feet, Helen had received forgiveness, and I had received humility. People were changed. I went in there proud because I'm the pastor and I'm about to pray and everyone's going to be exceptionally proud of how good I am at this. <laughs> Humility. I was changed. There's power in prayer, my friends. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know the magic formula. Um, I don't know the, the special secret. Matter of fact, I don't think there is one um, because 
those things didn't happen on that day because I was so good at praying. I'm really starting to think that God's power to answer prayers has nothing to do with my ability to pray them. I'm really starting to believe that God is the hero of prayer, not the person praying. And if, if we are willing and humble and we walk in and we give God what we've got, whatever it is, that God will do something special. Your perspective will change, your purpose will change, and you will change. And not only that, guys, he gave us an outline for this. So it's getting harder and harder to claim ignorant. Because he gave us an outline for how to pray. And in this outline, I want you to see, he's showing us how to change purpose and perspective and people. He, he's outlining it for us. There's, there's, a, there's a prayer. Let's throw that first one up there. See if you guys recognize this. Anyone seen this before? If you're new, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In this first line of the Lord's Prayer, which I got to tell you all this, this, this is the Lord's Prayer. I didn't write it. Um, a few years ago, I did a series on the Apostles' Creed. And this is why one of the reasons I love our church so much. And if you're the person who did this, I love you. And after I did the sermon on the Apostles' Creed, this person came up to me and was like, you wrote that? <laughs> they were like, that was so beautiful. When did you write that? And I was like, earlier in the week. And so, <laughs> so but look, look, this is the Lord's Prayer, all right? They didn't know. They didn't want to disappoint. So... Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This is all about perspective. This is all about perspective. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So when I'm praying to God, there's a few things I need to remember. One is, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, your name is holy. You are righteous. You're the king of the universe. You have all the power and all the might, and you know everything. You, you are the king. Perspective. What's the second part of that perspective? That king, what's the second word? What's the second word? Second, no, go back to the next one, Eric. <laughs> What's the second word in that one? Father. Father. This God that's so full of power, he wants you to call him Father. Raise your hand if you're a dad in this room. Raise your hand. If you, hold, hold, hold your hands up. You got children, that's good. How many, no, keep your hands up, man. You can do it. For, don't worry, we're not going to count this as worship. You're cool. Just relax. <laughs> You're not there yet. All right, so how many of you men, if your child came to you, would say, that's a stupid conversation, I don't want to have it? Not one. Because if you do, you're not a good father. A good father, want, you can put your hands down now, that's good. A good father wants his children to have conversations with them. And so the most powerful force in the universe wants you to call him father because he wants you to know, bring me anything. I just want to talk to you. I mean... If, if you're a good dad, you just you want that time. You want that proximity. There's nothing my children can't bring to me, especially my teenage son. If, he even, if I exist, if he acknowledges that I'm in the room, I'm happy, right? If he doesn't look like he hates me, I'm having a great day. But isn't this true? If you're a good father, you, your kids don't, you don't go, hey, I, I, there, you know there's things in Syria I'm working on right now. I got a big world I got to deal with. I don't have time for you. That's not a good father. And if that's the father you were raised with, I am sorry. But that is not God. God is a good father. He says, cast your burdens on me. Why? Because I care about you. I want to be with you. I want to talk to you. I want to know you. Perspective. What's the next one? Go ahead, Ian. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is about purpose. 
It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Who are we talking about? We're talking about God. Our purpose, you know what the opposite of thy is? My. And I don't know if they're actually opposites, but they rhyme and it works. So, Purpose. The purpose of my life is not what I want. The purpose of my life is not my happiness. The purpose of my life is not me. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. When you enter prayer with that purpose, it changes the power of your prayer. God, you know what I want in this situation. But it's not about me. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Purpose has to change in prayer. What's the next one? Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, this is another one on perspective. God, do y'all ever pray, God, just give me the bare essentials that I need to survive today? God, just give me what I need for this moment. I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do today. So God, just give me what I need today to do what you want me to do today. Perspective. Maybe it's not about that lottery ticket winning. Although, remember... We'll sanctify that 10% if you do win. <laughs> I like to throw that out. It's okay. But may, maybe it's not about you. Again, it's, it's about, God, g- give me this day what I need to serve you. And, and, and when we don't pray this, this is one of the reasons our prayers seem to lack power, because we're praying about me, and I don't have a lot of power. God, give me what I need today to serve you so that your power will flow through me. When I'm doing God's will, then there's real power in me. When I'm doing my will, I got my power. When I'm doing his will, guess whose power I've got? His power. Which one would you rather have? What's the next one? And forgive us our trespasses. Oh, no, that second line. That's a stinger. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive other trespasses against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know what this is about? This is about changed people. You know why you're able to forgive them? You know why you can forgive her? You know why you can forgive that? You know why you can let that go? You know why you cannot hate that people? Because God has forgiven you. You are changed people. You you are bought and paid for by the blood of the Lamb, and so you must be a forgiver. You must be a changed person who lives like a changed person for the sake of changing other people. This is who we are. Changes perspective. Changes purpose. Changes people. And so let me tell you guys what we're going to do for the next few weeks. And I am, uh, I, I, I am super excited about this. We're going to pray between now and Easter. We're actually going to, for the next three weeks, we're going to be a church in prayer together for what God is going to do in this house over our four-week Easter series. We, we have a few things we're asking for for, for God from God for the four weeks we talk about Easter. And there will be two Sundays, I think three Sundays and a Friday, so four gatherings. We're asking that over the next three weeks, we're going to ask that God prepares us for that series by changing our perspective. Help us to see beyond ourselves. Help us to see the hurting people in this community. Help us to realize that they need Jesus as bad as we need Jesus. Right? That that we're all the same. We all need Jesus. We're all broken. We all desperately need him. Change our perspective. The second thing is change our purpose. Let thy kingdom come through us. Our purpose in this community is not to have the biggest church. It's not to have the coolest programs. Our purpose in this community is that God would save souls through this body of Christ. That's our purpose. We exist 
to be a people who, who, who people are drawn to because Jesus Christ is so apparent in us. And so we're going to pray that there are salvations at Easter. We're going to pray for changed people. And not just out there, because here's the truth. Let's say there's 300 of y'all in this room. Odds are there's a good portion of people in this room who are not saved. You don't know Jesus. Somewhere along the line, you may, have, you may have convinced yourself that you prayed a prayer, but there's been no fruit in your life. You've never really given your life to Christ, and you don't really know him yet. And you think by coming to church, that's all you need to do, but there shouldn't be anything else in your life, and you really don't have faith yet. And so we're going to pray that you are awakened. We're going to pray that the sleepers in this room come to know Jesus. And let me tell you, y'all, I get all the time people are like, why don't you do more altar calls? I'm about to do a lot of altar calls. Because it's time for this church to wake up. And it's time for the sleepers in the room to give their life to Christ. And then it's time for this community to sing Christ through us. And it's time for us to rescue a hurting people. And this Easter, we're going to give it everything we've got. And then, listen, this is not about marketing. This is not, we're not sending out any flyers. We're not buying Facebook ads. You know what our marketing campaign consists of? Prayer and fasting. That's what it consists of. And lives will be forever changed. And you're like, well, okay, I still don't know how. Yes, you do. There's a million dollars in that box. Get into it. You'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. <laughs> we will figure it out, man. I can't wait. I, and again, we're going we're gonna to spend three weeks. Uh, we're going to sing a song today. And the song is called Maranatha. And, uh, oh, man, th th this service is going to be so awkward at the end for some of y'all, and that's okay. I'm, some of y'all are going to love how today ends, and some of y'all are going to think it's so awkward, and I love both those. I'm okay in that, in that, that middle. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion, and then we're going to sing a song called Maranatha. And Maranatha means Lord, come. And that's the cry of our hearts for the next three weeks. And if I seem fired up, I am, because I think things are about to change. Maranatha is an old Greek word, just like amen. It means Lord come. And we're begging that Lord would, would come in us, that we would be changed, that the sleepers in this room would be awakened, that the people who've just been playing church would actually have an authentic experience with the king of the world. And we're praying that the Lord would come out there, that, that God would, would show up in this community in a way we have not seen because we're going to be faithful and we're going to pray and we're believing God's going to move. And so we're, we're going we're to ask God. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to sing Maranatha. And after that... There's going to be something I like to call silence in the room. Yeah, I know. Y'all know how awkward silence is? Watch. Yeah. And so we're going to have some time today where there's just some instrumental music. And at some point, we might completely cut the music off. And you know what you're going to be doing? Participating. Praying. You're not going to be sitting there observing because this is not a performance. You're not going to be sitting there watching someone else because you're going to be praying, because you're the church. And because I could stand up here and do an altar call until I am blue in the face. If it is not a body praying for salvations, then my altar calls will fall on deaf ears. But if we will move together, if we will move together, with faith, I believe God will do something special. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.